Okay, good morning. This is Richard Shu, host of Shoe Untied. This morning, I'm very pleased to have with me as my guest, a Jack Sheridan, who's a partner at Latham. Jack, welcome to the show. Thank you, Richard. Truly honored to be here. So, Jack, you've obviously had a very long uh, career in Silicon Valley. Tell me a little bit about how you got started in the Valley to begin with. Oh, well, it's been over 30 years. Um, I've been a resident here my whole life. I grew up, uh, born in San Francisco, grew up here. Uh, my father was at Lockheed his entire career, and oh, so wow. I was sort of... Uh, you know, in that environment growing up. Um, and then before I went to law school, I was in public accounting for three years at Price Waterhouse, And one of my first uh, audits was Fairchild Semiconductor. So I was sort of immersed here in the Valley and it really formed um, what I wanted to do with my legal career. Mm. And so where did you start off and what kind of clients did you work with? Give me a little sense of how your practice yeah, developed. So I, uh, I came out of law school in 1986 and I went to Wilson Sonsini. I was the 106th lawyer. Mm. I'd had a chance to clerk there for half a summer, but I also knew the firm. Larry Sonsini uh, taught a class at Bolt that I took. And again, knowing the Valley, knowing my predilection, frankly, for, for being uh, a business person as much as a lawyer, um, that firm seemed to be just a great fit for me. I wasn't sure where it was going, but I knew something, something exciting was happening there. And so I did start while the firm was young. And that afforded me a tremendous opportunity. Like other uh, people I know you've interviewed who started about that time there, you just did everything the clients demanded. I mean, you know, whether it was leases or IP or other things that were outside of my, you know, immediate interest area of corporate, you know, you just did it. And you were there for the client. Um, I was benefited by scarcity. We didn't have enough lawyers to cover all the companies that we were, uh, we were bringing onto the platform. And that was just a tremendous environment to... Um, to learn every aspect of law, which I do think makes you a better better lawyer when you're more focused on your particular area. And, uh, you know, I, I, I basically, you know, for the first eight years I was there, I was mentored by, you know, really terrific people. Uh, and then when I, when I entered the, the partnership, it was a fortuitous time in the 1990s, a lot of growth. Uh, you probably know that during the late 90s, I mean, there were years where Wilson did more than 100 issuer-side IPOs. And so we were all the beneficiaries of that, and that's how I got started. Well, give me, give me, uh, maybe tell me about two or three of your favorite clients or most interesting well, deals that you've worked on yeah, throughout the years. Yeah, you know, it's, uh, as, as, I, as I look back, my mix has been about 60 to 70 percent, what I'll call pure technology companies, 20, 25 percent uh, life sciences related and 10%, I call it, other emerging companies. Um, boy, I've done you know, over 100 capital market transactions, if you count underwriter representation as well, and a lot of M&A, of course. Frankly, I mean, the strategy from the beginning of my career has been to represent enterprises, and I go where they take me. And if that's, you know, someday they're sold, I'm there. If they're buying, I'm there. If they're raising capital, I'm there, whether it's venture or, or through the public markets. Um, so there have been a lot of deals during that time. I guess, you know, early on, I did a lot of, a lot of work for, for Seagate uh, in, in, in a lot of their public work. Uh, you know, notable offerings maybe I've done over the years, Vitesse, Semiconductor, Netgear, Ticketmaster, City Search, Redback, Comag. Back in the day when medical device companies were doing IPOs, I did probably 10 of those. Um, and, you know, on the M&A side, again, there could be many, but YouTube, Chevy's, 24-hour fitness, 
And in that other 10% category, I've done casinos, wineries, and other things as well. So it's been pretty diverse. Now, do you consider yourself more, do you like working more with the startup stuff, or do you like working more in the later stage? You talked about capital markets deals, or do you like working with larger companies with more complex problems? I, I, I like the mix. Um, I'm, I'm very comfortable in, in the public company boardroom, having seen a lot and advising on those those issues, particularly when I have sort of the regulatory expertise I, I have behind me at, at at a place like Latham, um, I probably would have to admit that what gets the bounce in my step every day, though, is, is more on the early side. And I represent companies even at the very early stages who are, you know, searching for initial funding. And it's just intoxicating. You know, many of these people are are young and they want to change the world and they have an idea. And sometimes they do. Mm-hmm. And you know, to get on board with those companies, add value on the business side as well as the legal side, and see them you know, succeed or even, you know, try hard to succeed and not always make it on the first go around is, uh, it's just a lot of fun. Now you recently obviously came over to Latham. Is there a specific focus or specifically you're doing a little bit differently than, than in the past or what you've done? Uh, no, it's, 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 it's not a different focus. Um, so I was at, uh, I was at Wilson Sonsini for 30 years mm-hmm. and that is a fabulous firm and one that has been technology focused and, uh, you know, I can't say enough great things about, you know, how they've executed or, or how much they meant for me in my career. I wasn't really looking to change. I'm not a change person, but I do have some pretty, uh, pretty fervent ideas about the way client needs are going to evolve over the next decade. Mm-hmm. And um, while it took an extraordinary opportunity, the Latham opportunity was one for me. Um, they have an amazing platform worldwide. And, and an amazing depth of expertise in most of the areas that technology and emerging growth companies are requiring and I think will require more and more in the coming decade. It's amazing, Richard, how, how much earlier in the business plans um, companies are going global. I mean, it used to be when I started out, you know, you might try to conquer, you know, California, roll it out across the U.S. and then go international and now, uh, you know, sometimes that's, that's flipped, where companies will introduce products, U.S. companies, in Europe first, and then, and then bring them over here. And there's a whole lot of regulatory and other reasons, depending on what sector you're in, that you do that sort of thing. Um, Latham has this amazing uh, global platform, and frankly, one that I don't think can be replicated mm-hmm. by, by, by other firms that don't currently have it. And as, as I see, we're where emerging companies are going here in Silicon Valley, where I'm mostly focused, I think that's just going to be, you know, a tremendous service to them going forward. Now, is your mix of clients still about the same, where you're doing mostly technology and some yeah, medical device? Or tell me about that. I, I would say right now the mix, traditionally uh, revenue-wise, it was pretty evenly divided between public companies and private companies. They have to. Uh, give a slight mention or shout out to two partners at Wilson I worked closely with, Paige Maillard and John Russo, I respected tremendously. I would say, you know, at the height of our practice, you know, we probably had, I don't know, 25 public companies and maybe 150 private companies that were, you know, uh, putting out measurable revenue. And and the dichotomy was about 50-50 on the revenue side. I would say right now, um, it's a little more slanted towards the earlier stage. I stepped away from practicing full-time when I got involved in management at, at, at Wilson Sonsini. And uh, the last eight years of my tenure, for most of it, I was either head of business law or helped co-manage the firm for like the last four and a half, the last five years I was there. By necessity, I had to step back 
from practicing anything close to full time. Um, so when I when I exited that role um, uh, at Wilson and, and and came over here, it's been a bit of a you know I don't want to say restart. There were plenty of client relationships I already had, but uh, I'm definitely you know out. Uh, building the practice with the younger companies as well. Well, you mentioned you really enjoy working with startups. Um, do you think that fundamentally it's still pretty much the same it is in 2017 as 1986, or do you think it really has changed in a lot of ways? I think it's changed in, 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 in some fundamental ways that are important. Um, you know, right now, I would say in, in many ways, it's the best of times to be out looking for money. I mean, when you look at all the statistics, uh, the, the, the amount of money, that can be put to use in VC funds and other funds is, is unprecedented. I think there's over $90 billion of dry powder right now in the VC uh, funds alone. Um, but I'd also say it's maybe the most complicated investing environment I've seen. I mean, it used to be back in the day you would have early stage seed money and then you might make the cut with the VCs and then you had an exit four or five years out if you were, if you were fortunate. And now you have uh, incubators and accelerators and early, mid, and late-stage VC funds and growth equity funds and uh, private equity funds and, and, and corporate strategic investing funds and soft bank, you know, growing huge funds, et cetera. And so the bar has been raised a bit with these, with these companies. Um, generally now, uh, you know, you have to, I don't want to say have to, but in the majority of cases, you, you almost have to have a working product and ideally sales to real customers before, before that money comes in. When it does come in, the checks seem to be, you know, a lot higher and the valuations a lot larger than they used to be, but it's definitely a more complicated environment to navigate. Now, I'm sure in your 30 years of practice in the Valley, you've had plenty of opportunities to do something outside of law, maybe become an investment banker, venture capitalist. Did you ever think about doing any of those things? Not not real seriously. Um, I was approached, um, you know, several times in my career. I, I just was so happy with what I was doing. Um, you know, I love the collegiality of the law firm, you know, uh, environment. Um, I love the, uh, the variety that you get representing multiple companies. And, you know, it wasn't because I, I guess I would say I was particularly disinterested in doing something else. I was just very happy uh, with what I was doing. Now, what kind of advice do you give to younger lawyers who are starting their careers and want to be, become corporate lawyers or work with startups and so forth today? Yeah, you know, um, not everybody agrees with what I'm about to say. And maybe I'm a little prejudiced by the way um, I, I came up and I, I was developed because um, there are plenty of young associates that, that want to get involved and. I'm certainly excited about that in the emerging company practice. I would say be the broadest lawyer that you can be. I'm not a big believer that you can, quote unquote, you know, focus exclusively on startup companies. I think you're a good, you know, early stage lawyer if you're a broad lawyer. And that means seeing mature M&A. It means being in public company environments. It means knowing what litigation is about and knowing enough in these areas that uh, when you're in the boardroom and you are for the, you know, for these companies that you can render advice that's useful to them and steer the ship in a way that, you know, hopefully avoids problems and trouble. So what I always say to younger lawyers is take advantage of the early years in your career, whether it's structurally possible in a law firm for Latham, you can't, you know, declare a major for two years. Uh, They try to force this behavior. But even if you're in an environment where you're assigned to corporate or litigation or 
or whatever, and you have an interest in what I do over time, just learn as much as you can outside of your immediate practice area. It'll be very valuable down the road. Well, it sounds like you've got a long future ahead of you. You sound very enthusiastic, but do you ever see yourself doing anything else other than doing practicing law in the future? You know, uh, Richard, I, again, I, I'm, I'm not a change guy. And so if you told me a year and a half ago, you know, frankly, I would, I would, I would be in a, a new law firm, I, w- I would have thought you might be crazy. So I, you know, I surprised myself by doing it once. I guess you never say never, but I am really happy here. I'm really excited what the next decade's going to bring and how Latham is positioned to take advantage of that. So I think it's unlikely. Well, Jack, this has been a fascinating conversation. I really appreciate your taking the time. I'd love to check in with you in a few years and see how things are going. Richard, it'd be an honor. Thank you. This is Richard Shu and Jack Sheridan. Thanks. <laughs>